I, I remember growing up, one of the, my, my favorite times of the year was Christmas. And I've talked about that on, on so many different occasions. I love the lights, and I love the music, and I love the anticipation that comes with this season. I, I loved, I remember in our home, my parents would always have to say, hey, we're not doing Christmas and opening presents until, like, it was usually like 6.30, because I was the kid who was like 4 a.m., like just bouncing on my bed, waiting, could not sleep, and my parents and my sister were asleep, and like 6.30, it's like, that's the longest they knew I could wait. And so we would do Christmas at 6.30, and I remember running into the, the room and seeing all the gifts that we had and getting to open them and the anticipation that came with it and the excitement. And, and then even going forward now as a parent, getting to see the excitement on my kids' face as they come into the room and they get to see their gifts and open up these presents and be so thankful and so excited the anticipation that comes with them. And I think for most of us, we can probably relate to that, the anticipation that comes. But have you ever had those moments where you were waiting and you were anticipating something that was coming, but it seemed to drag on forever and ever and ever? You're, you're waiting with anticipation, you're waiting with hope, but yet in the meantime, each day seems to go by incredibly slow. And for me, that was always the days and the weeks leading up to Christmas. I was so excited for it to get here. Couldn't wait to see what Santa had brought me, to see what my parents and my grandparents had given me. But it seemed like it took forever. For us, we are a people in waiting. We know that there are incredible promises in our future. Incredible promises that the hope of Jesus brings us, but we are in a period of waiting for God to show up. And it's in those times that it's so difficult to wait. It's so difficult because the anticipation, the hope of what is to come, doesn't quite translate to the here and the now. And the message that this psalm brings overall is simply this, that God listens and answers, God rescues and delivers. And as I share this psalm with you this morning, I want you to notice the verbs. Because this psalm is so action-oriented. Of course, every sentence has to have verbs to be an actual sentence. But this psalm, the verbs are so powerful. And they push the psalm so forward in so many ways. But I want to give you just a little bit of a backstory of why this psalm has so much meaning. So David is the psalmist who writes Psalm 34. And David, as you know, comes to a place where he is a shepherd basically in a field. And he's called out among all of his brothers and he is anointed as the future king. And he continues to walk with God, continues to pursue God, continues to be faithful through everything that's going on in his life. And David kills Goliath, and he gets this national attention, this prominence. And they start singing these songs about him. David has killed his, or Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. And there's this notoriety that comes with it, but he's still not king yet. But through it all, he remains 
faithful. And the king, Saul, is pursuing David and he wants to kill him because he knows he's a threat to his throne. He knows he's been anointed. He knows he's the future king. And so David is running from his life, hiding in caves. And at this one point, he runs to another nation and he tries to hide with a king named Achlish. And there, Achlish notices David. And he sees him and he says, wait, isn't this the one they sing about? Isn't this the one that they have so much hope in? Isn't this the one where they say Saul has killed his thousands, David is tens of thousands? And David knows that he's been found out and that who he is has put his life in jeopardy. And so David begins to pretend like he's insane. He starts talking crazy He starts letting drool run down his beard in hopes that they would say, what what in the world is this guy? Why are people afraid of him? And so King Achlish sends David away. And David pens the words of this psalm, I think immediately after this encounter. But to understand David's faithfulness and commitment to God, you have to understand a couple of things that even happen after he writes this psalm. David is running from his life. He's hiding in a cave. And then Saul appears. He's gone in to go to the bathroom. And as he's waiting in the cave, David finds himself right there with Saul. And every opportunity to kill him and become the king, as it said, he's going to be. And even David's men say, look, this is the day that God has delivered your enemy into your hand. This is it. The writing is on the wall. This is the day. This is everything lining up just like it's supposed to be. And David says, I can't kill the king. This would be a sin. And he even has another opportunity just a few chapters later as he encounters a sleeping Saul and the army surrounding him asleep. And David right there and he has the chance. And even there they say, this is the day that God has delivered your enemy. Everything looks like God has played all of this out perfectly for you to become king. And David refuses kill Saul. And the faithfulness that David displays to God's ways is without question. And it amazes me because it's one of those moments, you you know those moments where it looks like everything is lined up. And yes, what you have to do to get there is wrong, but it looks like God has just lit the path and made everything perfect. And you can take matters into your own hands and just speed up the process. And David refuses to do that. Because he is committed to being faithful to God. Because he believes if God wants him to be king, God will provide the way. That he does not have to take matters into his own hands. God will come through. And David is in this place of waiting. But the problem with David's waiting and anticipating and the hope that could come is shadowed with the possibility of his death. 
as Saul and his army is pursuing David because he's been anointed as the future king. And so it's with that backstory that David shares these words with us. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look on him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from telling lies, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out. And the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles. But the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. And these words come from a place of David in utter faithfulness to God. Believing That God is going to provide a way, no matter what happens in his life. So as we we begin this morning, one of the things I want you to notice from this psalm that's so important is identity determines direction. Identity determines direction. The psalm begins, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So David is pursuing God. He's walking with God. And what we would say is direction is important. The direction you're going is vital. It is important is dependent on your identity. This is true of God. Who is God? What is God's identity? God is this loving Father. And so the direction God is always going is in the direction of His children. He's pursuing them. He's chasing after them. He's calling them 
back to him. He's loving them. And he's moving in the direction of his children. So, so many times we want people to know and love Jesus, and we think the best way to do it is get them to move in the right direction. But before we get them moving in the right direction, we need to teach them who Jesus is and allow them to fall in love with him. Identity determines direction. But there are some blessings. There are some benefits. There are some things that come from a right direction. See, right direction brings God's rescue. It brings God's rescue. Verse 6 and 7, This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those. And, and I said, notice the verbs. right? Notice the verbs. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. Listen to the verbs describing what God does. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. The right direction brings God's rescue. Jesus' very first message is repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repentance is about direction. It's this idea we're moving in one direction, and we realize that we're moving in the wrong direction, and we turn 180, and we start moving back the other direction. But repentance does not happen because you realize that your direction is wrong. True repentance happens when you realize who Jesus is. Because when you realize who Jesus is and who God is, the turning becomes about your heart. It's not just simply about your actions. The right direction brings God's rescue. It's identity first, then direction. Jesus' identity is spoken of by the prophets in Matthew 1, 21. Do I have that on the screen, Dustin? Yeah. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because... He will save His people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call Him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This purpose, because He will save His people from their sins. Secondly, right direction brings God's protection. A right direction. And notice we're saying a right direction. We're not saying walking perfectly on the path. Right? If, if you're an archer, and we, we use this idea with sin so many times because the, the word in Greek is to miss the mark. And I think we have this idea of this small little bullseye that we're shooting at. And we're, we're trying to hit it, but we're just barely missing it. And I don't think God is concerned so much with us just barely being outside. He's concerned about us moving in the right direction, enjoying what we're getting to do, that we're getting to shoot the arrow in the first place. And it's one thing to be aiming at a target here and shooting this direction. But, but we're moving towards the target. We're trying to hit the target. We're moving in the right 
direction. It brings God's protection with it. It is a blessing, a benefit of that. I sought the Lord, verse 4, and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look on Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And I think here there's this allusion to Moses on the mountain. Remember, Moses climbs the mountain to be with God, and he asks God to show him his glory. And and God says, no, you can't see my face, you're going to die. And so he says, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock, and I'm going to cover you there with my hand, because my glory, my radiance will be far too great for you. But when Moses comes down the mountain, his face is covered. But it's not covered in his sin and shame. It's covered in the light of God because he's encountered the living God. And so David says those who encounter him will be covered with his presence, the radiance from his face, and not covered with their own sin and shame. He's moving towards God. He's pursuing God. But as he gets too close for his own good, God says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to hold you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand. How many people know that God's word is given for our protection? That that in many cases, God's word is given given to us to protect us. And many times, many times, that protection is just a simple byproduct of our obedience to God. Do you want to protect your marriage? And God says, be faithful to your wife and love her and pursue her. Be faithful to your husband. Love and pursue. Keep your mind pure and your heart clean. Love her and give yourself completely to her, to him. And the the benefit of doing that, of being obedient and moving in the right direction, is there's protection built in. Protection is a byproduct of our obedience to Him. You want to keep your relationships right. Then don't gossip. And don't talk about people who aren't there. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Forgive as God has forgiven you. And there is built-in protection in your relationships, the right direction, that obedience brings God's protection. Now, here's the question. Does obedience, does the right direction always bring God's protection? Lord, I have my device turned off. If you're online and couldn't hear that, someone's device just went off and said, please unlock your device. So, I, we're, if you have not turned off, no, sorry. <laughs> Where were we? Um, Will, that, it, it was like in the, the serious part of the sermon, you know, where it's like, okay. Will, 
obedience, will right direction, always bring God's protection? No. Why? Because guess what? There are other people in this world. And the same way your sin, your disobedience affects other people, their sin, their disobedience has its effect on you. Right? You can make a wrong decision. You, you could be in a marriage where you are faithfully pursuing your spouse, where you're keeping your mind pure. You're doing all the things to be obedient and move in the right direction. And your spouse is not doing that. It doesn't promise protection. But I will say the majority of time, it will bring God's protection. Because our obedience, our moving in the right direction is a natural byproduct of that obedience. Third, the right direction brings God's blessing. The right direction brings God's blessing. Verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. Lions grow weak and hungry, and those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Right direction brings God's blessing. For moving in the right direction, God's blessing is going to come on our life. But let me tell you why that gets complicated for us and why it's difficult to see at times. Because blessing brings complexity. Blessing brings complexity. You've, you've probably never thought of it in this way. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing. But God's blessings will complicate your life. 15, 16 years ago when Cammie and I stood on an altar, before an altar, and said, I do, our life both got more complex. Better? Yes. But now, instead of me getting to do whatever I want and spend money however I want and, and treat myself to whatever I wanted, now there's another person in the picture, and life is now more complex. Having kids is an incredible blessing, but when we had one child, our life got a little more complex. When we had two kids, our life got a little more complex. When we had three kids, our life got a little, out of, a little more complex. When we had four kids, there's no more words. It got more complex. Blessing brings complexity. 
that promotion that you wanted at work is a blessing. And it's good. But your life gets more complex. Because now there's more responsibility. And there's more people that you're in charge of. And more people that you have to answer to. Wanted to be in a growing church. And as that happens, it gets more complex. For David, he is in a field. He's watching sheep. He's taking his brother's food. He's doing whatever his dad tells him to do. And then Samuel shows up and says, you are the future king. And his life automatically becomes more complex. Is it a blessing? Yes. Is it more complex? Absolutely. He kills Goliath. And up until this point, no one really knows who he is. And then he's in this place of prominence and his life becomes more complex. And then he becomes king. And he's obedient to God and he's following God, but his life is more complex. It's more difficult now than it was before. And what happens, there's this incredible mindset shift, mindset shift that happens from the point of anointing as king and pursuing God and saying, how in the world could I kill God's anointed? To standing up and saying, that lady right there, you need to bring her to me so that I can do whatever I want to her. See, here, here's this mindset shift, I think, that happens in David's life. When power and position become your identity, it will always become destructive. Because as David at first is following God, giving his life to him, being obedient to him because he sees not Saul as king, but he sees God as king. I think until he becomes king and he's in the place of power and position and no one can tell him what to do. It's become his identity. It's become who he is. And it's become destructive in his life. Mary, is she's given this message from an angel of God that you're going to have a child. And the, the, the writer in Luke says that Mary was troubled and confused. Why? There is complexity added to the situation. How in the world do I show myself in town again as a young teenage mother who is pregnant? Well, who have you been sleeping with? I haven't slept with anyone. I'm still a virgin. And what the angel calls this is a blessing. But this blessing brings complexity. It complicates her life. Now understand this. Direction is not dependent on clarity. 
direction. The direction you are moving is not dependent on clarity. God, I just want to understand what you're doing and then I will follow you. Direction is not dependent on clarity. David, this is the day where you, God has just delivered your enemy into your hands. This is it. This, this is perfect. All the writing is on the wall. And I would imagine in David's mind, okay, maybe, maybe this is God providing a way for me. Because you can rationalize anything. Maybe this is God making a way. Maybe I should do it. How else am I going to become king if I don't do what God has done, right? I mean, this is the day that God has delivered my enemy into my... This is it. Direction is not dependent on clarity. Mary, you're going to give birth to a child because the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in you. I made it through sixth grade science. Not real sure how that happens. Direction is not dependent on clarity. I think a lot of times we wait for clarity when God is actually asking for our obedience. He's asking us to follow in the moment each step of the way, not clearly understanding where we're going. How am I going to become king if I pass up this opportunity? How can I be pregnant? How can I show my face? But I love Mary's words. After the angel comes to her, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. Direction is not dependent on clarity. Now, God is going to bless David because of his obedience. God is going to bless Mary because of her obedience. And the blessing that Mary receives is just amazing to think about. Because what the angel tells her, what God tells, tells Mary, is you will be the vessel through which God's presence enters the world. You will be the vessel which God's presence enters the world. God's presence is going to come into the world through you. And you will be a blessing in this world. You will be the vessel through which God's presence enters the world. You want to talk about complexity and blessing? They're married. Because one of the greatest blessings this world has ever received is through Mary. The, the Son of God, God's presence coming into the world. But I can promise you, it complicated her life. It brought an added layer of complexity. But here's the good news for you and I. The same blessing, the same blessing that was given to Mary is given to you. Because it's not just Mary 
will be the vessel through which God's presence enters the world. It's that you, you will be the vessel through which God's presence enters the world. How does God come into the world? He comes into the world through His people. He comes into the world through you and I. And and I understand there are times in your life, there are times on the road where you are disheartened and it is difficult to follow Jesus. I understand there are times when it's not clear the direction you're, you're going. Is this right? Is this what God is calling me to? And it's hard because you don't see a clear path forward. Let me just simply remind you the same God that loved and called David The same God that loved and called Mary and blessed David and blessed Mary is loving you and calling you and blessing you. And He has been the very same from the beginning until today. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the coming King. He is Christ. He is the Lord. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of David. He is the Son of Man. He is the Lamb of God. He is the new Adam. He is the new Moses. He is the King of the Jews. He is the bright and morning star. He is the light of the world. He is the bread of life. He is the good shepherd. He is the vine. He is the great high priest. He is the lion of Judah. He is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the Word made flesh. He is the wonderful Counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And right now, what you want in your life is clarity. God, show me where this is going. Year. Where are you leading us? What are you calling us to? And let me just say the same God who loved and followed and pursued David and Moses and Mary and Paul is loving and following and pursuing you and leading you and just asking you to trust Him with one more step. Today, take that step. Because your obedience is not dependent on clarity. We want clarity. But God never promises clarity. What He does ask is for your obedience. That you would move in the right direction towards Him. Because if you will do that, you will be the vessel through which God's presence enters the world. Father, today, we pray for Your blessing on us. God, we are grateful for the ways that You show us um, immeasurable blessings. And Father, so many times we want clarity. But those blessings have brought complexity. And it makes it really difficult to see. And so Father, today help us to trust You more. Help us to follow closer to You. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.